Hello, and welcome to the Blockchain.com podcast. My name's Nick Carey, co-founder and vice chairman of Blockchain.com. Here at Blockchain.com, we hand-select some of those popular cryptocurrencies for you to buy, sell, swap, trade, and hold right within your Blockchain.com wallet. But what makes each of these digital assets unique? What problems do they solve? How many people are using them? And maybe what does the roadmap look like for each of the underlying projects? From founders to developers, we hear from the brains behind the protocols themselves to find out why each one is worth paying attention to. Today, I'm joined by Tristan Chaudhry from Heroes of Mavia, a platform you're hearing across crypto and gaming scrolls that promises a captivating blend of thrilling strategy, competitive battles, and alluring potential to play to earn rewards. So what exactly is Heroes of Mavia and how does Mavia token fit in the world of Web3? Tristan, thank you so much for joining the Blockchain.com podcast. We have a little tradition around here. We got to know, how did you get into crypto in the first place? What was sort of your first uh, step into the rabbit hole? Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I've been in crypto, man, like as long as I can remember. I was actually, I think I've been a user of Blockchain.com specifically since mid-2013. Oh, OG. OG, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know how I started? I was like 14. I was like 14 years old looking for side gigs. And uh, I was I started mining in uh, Litecoin. I started mining Litecoin and Script coins in uh, my basement, and uh, just just really got into the world of crypto. It was it was so exciting. Nobody really knew about it. You go to school, you tell people they're like they look at you like you're crazy. But then you go to BTC E or Cripsy or some of these early crypto exchanges, and it's like wow. So. It was it was a really cool experience and to watch it evolve from what it was back then till today, especially growing up with it, is it's pretty remarkable. Well, thank you for sharing that. And uh, for any of our listeners who have been around for a while, um, some of those names may cause a little PTSD. There have been some uh, some platforms that have um, certainly uh, you know been challenging to uh, for early adopters to to navigate through. Some have come and some have left, but uh, the earliest adopters. Had to certainly, um, you know, uh, earn their stripes. And so, uh, thank you for spending some time with us today. We'd love to hear a little bit more about um, the Heroes of Mavia. So, talk us through the game, the platform. You know, what's on offer? Yeah. So, for Heroes of Mavia, this it's really cool. So, coming, like I said, coming from the space so early, I would have never thought that we'd see Web three really like wrap its tentacles around so many different spaces. But gaming something I'm personally pretty passionate about and everyone on our team is. And I was a big mobile gamer growing up. I love mobile games. I always thought it was, even though I played console games, I always knew mobile gaming was going to be like what, what really reaches mass adoption because it's so convenient. Anyone on their phone can just download an app. And I think that's how a lot of games are going to be in the future. Uh, but our team really has this vision for Mavia where we can make take the vision of Web3, which is that everyone can own their assets. And that's such a cliche term, own your assets, but it's true because what do people in in games own? I mean, they're owning skins, they're owning decorations, consumables, but the fact that you can make them limited quantity and it's provably limited quantity because they're on the blockchain, they're in demand because they have use and functionality and desire in the game. That's all you need. That's like a complete model there. You have assets that are in demand, people want because they're cool. You have a limited amount of them you can prove who owns what. And it's honestly perfect for a game like Mavia because in Mavia, you don't always have to be online to utilize your assets. In a game like, let's say, Mortal Kombat, if you had a cool skin, when you're not playing, it's not in use. 
So in a game like Mavia where you have a base, your base is always there. It's always working. It's always digging golden oil. So it makes it particularly useful to have some of these, as we call them, legendary items, uh, which are NFTs in the game, because they're always being put to use. And at any point in time, anyone can visit your base and see them. And then you add on top of that, that they're limited in quantity, some of them, most of them, and people want them. So you have an economy there in, in, in layman's terms. Man, that is cool. Okay. So um, I think there's some surprising facts that a lot of people may not be aware of, but uh, roughly 3.26 billion people in the world um, have used or regularly use some sort of digital or virtual game, whether that's playing chess whether that's filling out crossword puzzles or, you know, more social games, whether that be first person shooters or large multiplayer environments online, 70% of Americans uh, that are adults um, have played video games on at least one platform. And so uh, if you think about it, games make a huge amount of sense um, for Web3 to uh, deeply get sort of uh, involved in. And I think it's probably arguably one of the areas where we could see that final leap to ultimately kind of worldwide mass adoption. And it's interesting to me because we all sort of start off, you know, playing games as kids, you know, whether that's uh, uh, on the playground or in the, uh, you know, the backyard or around our house using our imaginations, but actually um, there are games all around us. And as we become adults, um, you know, some of these games get very sophisticated. And as you mentioned, basically develop their own economies. And so I'd like to learn a little bit more, talk to us about the gameplay specifically of um your world sure so first of all we are 100 mobile so you will not be able to play us on desktop web none of that ios and android but uh the cool thing is that our model complies with ios and android which i'll get into in a little when we go over the model but we're one of the few web3 games whose model is completely complying with apple and google and uh you can see that because we're on the app store so the game, you everyone gets a base, and it's by the way, it's completely free to play. You don't need to own an NFT or own any crypto to download and play the game. Anyone can join. That's how we've gotten millions of players up to this point. I think we're at like 2.5 now with 250,000 DAU as of uh, what's today, Fe February 23rd. And uh, yeah, it, it's been it's been crazy. So the game, everyone starts out with a base. And it's very, if you guys have ever played Clash of Clans or uh, Game of War or some of these other mobile games where you have basically a base and you grow it by conquering opponents and other online players, all real players, uh, then you would, you would be very familiar with Mavia. It'd feel like second nature to you. But a lot of people wonder, you know, what makes Mavia better than a lot of these other games or at least different. And I want to start by saying the game's fully 3D which anyone who comes from a technical art background or development background understands the significance of that statement. We are an entirely 3D game. So let's take uh, Clash of Clans for an example. It's probably the most familiar to people. Go zoom in on their troops. Go zoom in on their base. You'll notice they're sprites. They're all sprites, which is fine because, you know, the cool thing about sprites is that you can get them to be very high quality because they're images. But 3D is real time. Your phone is making many more calculations than they would on a sprite. It has to run 3D objects in real time. Now, our 3D objects happen to be very optimized due to our very phenomenal technical art team. So it looks very high quality. But nevertheless, every single building, every single troop, every single weapon, everything's fully 3D. Why is that important? Because when you're fully 3D, you get way more 
abilities inside of the game that you wouldn't be able to do with sprites. Uh, I'll go over some examples. They can move in 360 degrees instead of just eight directions. So you go to some mobile games like Clash as an example, they can only move north, west, south, east, and then diagonals in between. Our troops can move 360 degrees, which is a very big deal when it comes to gameplay balancing because it really opens up a lot more possibilities. They don't look like robots when they walk around because they can travel 360 degrees. Uh, you can have skins applied to any level of any troop and any building. You can't do that in those other games that use sprites because you would have to create sprite sheets for thousands of combinations. So because we're real-time 3D, you can do stuff that you can't do as it relates to skins. VFX, explosions. When a bomb explodes, instead of it just dying and you seeing a skull, you now can have your troop fall back in the air at an opposite angle of what they got hit with and they fall on their back and they get up and they proceed. That's something you can only do with 3D. If you look at our buildings blowing up, if the bullet hits from the north, it collapses towards the south. That's something you can only do with 3D. So we're an entirely 3D game. Uh, so the architecture of the game itself is very different. And, and you could really only do this with newer end devices. So now that devices are getting so much more strong and powerful, our graphics will improve over time automatically. That's why we have graphic settings in the settings. If you go there, you can choose the FPS, you can choose the graphic quality. Can't do that in 2D. So the, the graphics and the architecture of the game itself is a huge upgrade. And we will see those opportunities of what we can do with 3D only grow in the future. Gameplay-wise, we're going to be adding 2v2. Obviously, we have the whole Ruby Marketplace and Web3 component, which none of these other games have on in Web2, obviously. So that's going to be a very big deal. And we have just so many game features. Don't want to leak it all because this is, you know, how we plan out our roadmap and get I'm, people excited. I'm going to push you a little bit. So I love gaming too. Um, what? Give me a little bit of a maybe inside track on, you know, what uh, a beginner strategy like mine might be to be effective uh, playing the game in the first couple hours. So just give me sort of maybe a, like a little inside tip. I would say go play single player if you're not so familiar because you'll okay. learn the ropes. So start with single player, explore the world, learn the uh, you know the game dynamics, how to control um, everything, and then and then step into the arena. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that's amazing um, about uh, this world and Heroes of Mavia is the in-game token Ruby and the governance token Mavia. So talk to us talk to us a little bit about um, how this in-game um, almost currency um, and token system uh, applies. Uh, and, you know, how it interplays with um, outcomes in the game and then, you know, what your vision for the economy of uh, Heroes of Mavia looks like over the coming years. Sure. So I'll start by saying what we're not. We are not paid to win at all. There is no situation where somebody pays a lot of money and it gives them an advantage in the game as far as attacks and defense. We're completely fair. But there's so many verticals of our game and there's so many ways you can customize your base, you can customize your troops. Uh, we... The Ruby model is very, very unique. We don't follow the normal play-to-earn style. So no specific games are being mentioned when I'm saying this, but we're not giving this single currency away, a cryptocurrency that can be bought or sold. You just give it to players for playing the game and then they all go and sell it and then you have like a crash, right? That's not what we want happening. And that's what's really happened historically. If you look at it, it doesn't work. If a model worked, everyone would be doing it, but it doesn't. So... We had to think outside the box and then add a layer of complexity on top of that. You got to make it work with Apple and Google, which is a whole set of problems on its own. So we need to now make a model that doesn't collapse from hyperinflation 
And then you need to make that model work with Apple and Google. It was, it was very tough, but we, we basically engineered this model. It's called the Ruby model and fully compliant with Apple and Google uh, can scale. And here's how it works. So any player can earn Ruby. You don't need to own an NFT. You don't need to own tokens. And Ruby can't be bought or sold. It's an in-game resource. It can't be bought or sold. It's not a crypto. And every player earns it by playing. What can you do with Ruby? You can buy, sell, and mint legendary items. That's skins for every character and every troop. That's decorations. That's event passes. That's consumables. The best consumables in our game are legendary consumables for Ruby. So we gave this whole portion of our economy to Ruby. Most game companies would have monetized those items because they're money makers, but we've given it completely to Ruby. Now, if players are earning Ruby and they're minting these items, they can also trade these items inside the game. Every one of those items is an NFT. So when you download the game, you get a wallet. It's built in and we cover gas. So now you're, this is how you onboard Web3 to on-chain, by the way, is like to the masses. So you have millions of players downloading it. Everyone gets a wallet. Everyone's interacting with Ruby and legendary items. Everyone's creating on-chain transactions. You have a recipe for success there for onboarding. Uh, so with Ruby then, every one of those items can also be bought and sold for Mavia token on the web. It has to be on the web because it can't be inside the app per Apple rules. So that means every single legendary item, whether it's skins, consumables, is going to have two order books. Think of it like an order book on um, uh, an exchange, a crypto exchange. It has the Ruby side and the crypto side. And that's really interesting because now you open up the game economy to not just players, but speculators. Because this Ruby has indirect value because it powers so much of the game, yet it doesn't have a price tag associated with it. So that means if I need to accumulate a lot of Ruby, the only path I have to do so is to buy other people's NFTs for crypto, for Mavia token, and then sell them in the game for Ruby. So it creates this really strange dynamic that really hasn't been tried yet, but we think it'll work. And what it also does most importantly is it distributes buy and sell pressure across not just a single token that you're paying out people, but across all these different items. So let's say you go in the marketplace, what, what are we looking at today? The gold skin for the turret is up 500% in Ruby today, but the candy skin for that character is down 80% today. You know what I mean? Like it distributes the ac economic activity in the game across thousands of items. So there's not a single token that is a point of failure for our economy. It, it's distributed. So it creates a very vibrant economy. Web 2 players will like it because it, it's not going to the dev's pocket like a lot of games do when even Web 2 games, they, they just make money off the skins. They have to monetize somehow. But in our case, we're basically giving that whole section of economy to the players. So if a player earns a rare skin, he can sell it to someone who wants to buy it. And he keeps all that money. We don't take any of it. So it's really that's a real player owned economy, if you ask me. Cool. Well, so with 250,000 daily active users and over 2.5 million users that have uh, started to play the game, you guys are off to a roaring start. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you think the future holds. Um, and, you know, I think there has been a lot of sort of like development, I would say, and investment in um, the intersection between gaming and Web3. And, I, you know, the, the opportunity is obvious and the, the future looks bright. You know, based on your, you know, near decade-long um, experience in crypto now, you know, what do you think sort of uh, gets more interesting over the coming uh, decade? And what are you excited about? What kind of player fan experiences 
does a Web3 plus gaming model um, really sort of enable that wasn't possible um, with the games that we grew up with? I, you know, coming, coming from being in crypto for the past, you know, decade, over a decade, I think it's really interesting to see people's perception of money being twisted. I mean, you have hyperinflation all over the place with fiat. So the respect for fiat has just been going down. Our generation, my generation uh, and younger, they don't even really care. So everyone, wants, everyone really is open-minded to crypto. And watching people price things not in USD and euros, but in crypto and in Ethereum. And now you have in-game assets going to be priced in Mavia, for example. It really makes people think very creatively, I think. It breaks down a lot of barriers in people's heads of like the norms. And I think that's good because while we need like, you know, obviously we need it when you're living in a country, a, a strong currency that backs everything. I think it's really cool that people are pushing the status quo and the narratives of what's possible and everything we kind of accepted as fact and unmovable and just reality is being changed. I mean, anything goes now, anything. I mean, if you have pictures of, I mean, I don't want to downplay it because I'm actually a holder, but you have pictures of monkeys trading for hundreds of thousands of dollars. What can't you do? So now everyone's really thinking outside the box and they're saying, wait, can we can we bring this technology to games, something we love? What else can we bring this to? So everyone now is thinking, how can we really enhance and fix some of the inherent problems uh, that we live in and in, in society and, and improve it with something on chain that's decentralized, that's provable and, and more fair? So I think I'm excited to see how Web3 penetrates more spaces. And that's really our motivation behind Mavia is seeing how far we can take a Web3 economy and implementing it into a game. And not many people have done it in this way. So I feel like in a, in a, in a lot of ways, we're like trailblazing and we're going down a path never done before, but it's inevitable. I mean, uh, people are going to do it. And it's I think gaming and AI are like the two spaces crypto is going to be interlinked with the most. What are your uh, predictions or how do you see the advent of AI accelerating um, or augmenting the use of crypto? Well, you have programmable money and then you have programmable, programmable intelligence. So it's like a match made in heaven. I mean, imagine how uh, cringe it looks as, as Gen Z when you have to wait to wake up for the stock market to open. You know, the money, uh, crypto never sleeps. So it seems very old fashioned to call your broker and place an order for this stock and the earnings calls. Like, I don't know, it just, even to me, it seems so like old fashioned. So crypto is obviously the choice for programmable money and, and, and ownership in entities and DAOs and governance protocols that accompany AI. And I don't think anyone is really like, I don't think any cutting edge AI projects have come to crypto yet. I know there's a lot promising to be, and I'm sure there will be in the next year. I know Render is a good one, for example, and some other ones I've been researching. Honestly, I'm not too deep in the AI side. I'm more deep in the in the gaming side, but it's it's very soon it's going to happen. I mean, you look at OpenAI and and how easy it is now for anyone to create videos and images. I think we're going to see a lot of that bleed into crypto. And when all the lower quality projects are sifted out and the high quality projects emerge, I think crypto and AI are, is like the perfect match, honestly. Yeah, I think that's a, it, it's not a surprise to me that these two concurrent technologies uh, are sort of emerging simultaneously. Um, they're going to be very much playing off of each other, um, and that's increasingly obvious. 
So let's um, talk to us. You, you sort of gave a little bit of a hint about what's kind of on the roadmap. Um, what are community members asking for? How are you guys responding? And, um, you know, for anyone that's, in the, you know, an active uh, Mavia user and player today, um, can you give us a little bit of a, a sneak peek into the future and, and what um, community members should be excited about? Yeah, aside from uh, the obvious, like bug fixes and improvements and stability, the what everyone is looking forward to most by far is the Ruby Marketplace. Uh, the Ruby Market, I mean, the game has no earning ability in its current form. So it's actually crazy. Like we're getting this kind of engagement before there's even earning. Imagine Axie before earning. So uh, we're, the game's fun. People are really, they really like it. We have to improve the stability so that it works across, because we're full 3D, so it's a very heavy game. So we're optimizing. So it has to work across a very broad spectrum of devices, which will be done in the next few weeks here. Our team moves very quick. I got to tell you, like it, this is not easy. So we're fixing the bugs uh, before we go to the next milestone, which is the Ruby marketplace. We're going to be announcing our uh, L2, not our internal L2, the L2 we're choosing uh, in about a week. So that's a very important milestone is because, you know, the L2 we choose, we're basically marrying. So the L2 we choose will be announced in a week. We're going to build our entire infrastructure for the Ruby marketplace and legendary items on that L2. And then once that announcement's out, we're going to, that's our next focus is the Ruby marketplace. Never been done. And it's going to work on web. It's going to work on mobile. And I think that is really going to be the catalyst that blows up Mavia, in my opinion. Cool. So, okay. We have a lot of stuff to look forward to. Uh, Mavia has just listed on the blockchain.com wallet. Uh, so you can explore um, that and more uh, by logging in. Uh, Tristan, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're really grateful and appreciative of your time. Uh, is there anything else uh, I didn't ask that uh, you'd love to share with uh, our listeners? Uh, just, I would say, keep a close eye out. I think everyone's very excited to see the L2 we choose. So keep a very close eye out for that L2 announcement about a week from now. All right, cool. Well, we'll be tweeting about that and sharing it across our social channels as well. Uh, please go check out Mavia. You can uh, find it in your app stores um, and uh, also... Uh, the token itself in the blockchain.com wallet. Uh, remember to subscribe to our channel and leave us a review if you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Carey, and on behalf of the entire blockchain.com team, thank you for tuning in. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for institutional and informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. Listeners are encouraged to conduct their own research and consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions. Thank you.